Welcome to Biz Help For You with host Candy Messer. Entrepreneurs like to focus on the big picture, like profitability, success, and a smooth running organization. There always seems to be those little things like taxes, employee compensation, laws, regulations, and more. Now you can get the answers you need in one place. Join us today as we break it all down for you. Now, here is your host, Candy Messer. Hello, and welcome to Biz Help For You with Candy Messer. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you found the information on last week's show, Dangers of Using Independent Workers and Finding Employees in a Difficult Market, informative. If you are unable to join us and would like to listen to the show, a link is located under the episode directory on my Voice America page, as well as links for iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. If there are topics you'd find beneficial or questions you have, please feel free to reach out to me at media at abnp.com. Now let's learn a little bit about our guest today. For over 14 years, Gino Preto has been passionate about serving clients in a variety of industries in the middle market arena. He started his career working as a wholesale insurance brokerage, working with agents to find hard to place insurance policies. He currently is a commercial specialist at Precision Manufacturing Insurance Services, specializing in manufacturing insurance programs, as well as orchestrating safety and risk management programs that help influence a reduction in the overall cost and risk. He serves clients with a best practices approach and truly defining what it means to manage an insurance program on an ongoing basis. Gino graduated from UOP with a Bachelor in Business Administration. He's obtained his CLIC, which is the Commercial Lines Insurance Certification designation, and the WCIP, Workers' Compensation Insurance Professional designation. He continuously attends specialty insurance seminars. He enjoys cycling, running, and being engaged in serving his community. So welcome to the show, Gino. Well, welcome, Candy. Really excited about being here, and good afternoon, America. <laughs> We're glad to have you. It's actually more than just America listening in, All actually, right. too. International. Exactly. So, but I gave a little bit about your background, but why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself and how you got involved in the insurance industry? Yeah. Well, I got involved in, let me rewind uh, back, you know, I was in the 80s and, and 90s just working with a family construction <clears throat> uh, company and had different positions from a day labor all the way to uh, actually working in the field, uh, managing a whole crew of staff, I saw quite a bit of things. A lot of uh, risky situations and prevented a lot of lot of situations. And eventually, after graduating um, uh, with a university a business administration degree, decided to uh, really seek somewhere where I could help out individuals and companies and really also save them money. And that was the insurance industry. It's one of those necessary evils. Mm-hmm. So let's discuss kind of what's going on today. So what are the trends that are affecting business? Well, you know, there's a lot of things going on. You know, uh, initially, I'm not going to go too much into COVID-19, the coronavirus. It is affecting everybody. And my phone's literally been ringing off the hook, not to mention emails. But other than that, I think uh, employee injuries, uh, wage demands, uh, premium increases, uh, workplace hazards, 
everything, even the cost of doing business has gone up. And people are just looking for ways. And some of the only ways you can control things is through managing your risk. Mm-hmm. So now that you're talking about managing risk, what would you define as risk management? Well, uh, <clears throat> I'll give the textbook definition first. Um, risk management is the practice of identifying and analyzing loss exposures and taking steps to minimize the financial impact of the risks they impose. Uh, Traditionally, risk management, sometimes called insurance risk management, has focused on peer risks. So something that basically you're going to lose or accidental means, but not anything like business risks, uh, something that poses a loss or necessarily like, let's say, a gain. Um, a financial financial risk of an organization, for example, um, you have cyber risks. You have a variety of things mm-hmm. impacting your business. Mm-hmm. For sure. So then, why is it important to have this risk management? Why does it matter? Because literally, it impacts your bottom line. A lot of people don't think about these things too. It impacts your culture. It impacts your profit your business continuation, every step of the way. And you know, going back to the money part, everybody out there is in business for one thing, to make a profit. If you're not managing the risk, you don't make a profit significantly Mm -hmm. as much as you could normally. Mm -hmm. And I know I've seen that before too, especially with workers' compensation when there's some injuries and then they have that X mod factor that they don't necessarily Mm -hmm. even know what that means and why their premiums are so much higher. So just really being able to understand and manage that is important. That's right. So, So then let's talk about compliance then. So why does compliance have an impact on the workplace environment? Because, you know, first of all, you know, compliance is driven by a lot of factors. One of the big main factors is our entities, governmental uh, entities like you know OSHA, it could be like the Water Board, it could be the EPA. Mm-hmm. There's so many pieces of this. Uh, the, the government mainly drives this. It could be um, <clears throat> a landlord wanting to have you insure the building, mm-hmm. you know, for example. So there, with the compliance part, there is, um, you know, safe process and procedures and uh, new mandates by the government, uh, whether it's local, state, or have you, as you've seen with this virus na- on a national level, sometimes on a county level, state level, uh, asking for very, very specific measures uh, people, uh, you, you know, you know, have to take. Um, other than that, there are very specific uh, compliance, like employee handbooks, IAPP, which is an injury and illness prevention program you have to put in place if your business is over a certain size. These are a few things, few thoughts. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it would be good to touch on maybe a little bit more where employers can even find the mm-hmm. rules and re- regulations regarding what they have to do. So, for instance, you talked about OSHA, and I know they're supposed to, you know, post if there were injuries mm-hmm. by a certain date, you know, or, you know, a lot of these different things that you mentioned. Um, so how would an employer even know what they are required to do based on how many employees they have or their industry you know, things like that. What mm-hmm. can you advise them to do to find that resource? Um, first of all, I have, you know, um, a process to this, okay? Identifying 
what they do. Okay, everyone knows. You know, you're in business. Uh, you're in construction. Look at what are some of the risks that affect you know construction. Okay, on let's say the OSHA website, uh, there's specific uh, diagrams. There's there's checklists and so on. Uh, contractors can work on. Um, other than that, you go to the labor board, you go to the FMLA, you go to the EOC, Equal Employment uh, Opportunity. There are resources out there to find out what you have to do at minimum mm-hmm. to be compliant. And of course, to really be on the safe side, you don't necessarily want to do the minimum. You want to, you know, at least follow the regulations, but you want to have as much protection for your employees and yourself really as possible. Correct. Yes, (laughs) absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) So then let's talk about employees then too, because that obviously makes a major impact on what could be happening in the business too. So why is it important then to hire those quality employees? What What should they be looking for? First and foremost, everyone out there is concerned about how it's going to affect their overall profits. But very few times, I would say probably in the, you know, manufacturers, uh, industrial companies I visit and related uh, industries, I find that probably about half of the people out there are really doing a lot, but not probably doing enough. They can always do a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think it's important, like you said, that people really understand what to be looking for in an employee. I mean, it's sometimes hard because a resume can have some great information, but it doesn't necessarily actually obviously reflect. So you can't always find ideally what you want. But if you want to have someone who's going to be safe, there's probably some characteristics or things that you should really be looking for. So what would you recommend? I I would say, you know, first of all, you know, who is that employee? Who referred them? Uh, I find some of employers uh, talk to these employees potential employees and and say, hey, give me your couple references. And then they put them on the line. And a lot of times they end up getting hurt. There has to be a process to this. This is part of the risk management process, which is the onboarding process. Are they sending them to a clinic? Are they making sure they're a good match for the job? If they're picking up, you know, 40, 50 pounds, are you putting somebody there that's 130 pounds? Mm-hmm. Probably not. Mm-hmm. So these these are the, the process and procedures of really onboarding uh, potential hire and really making sure it's a match, mm-hmm. not not only from you know the legal standpoint, but also from the safety standpoint. That will overall impact your workers' comp and probably avoid a potential lawsuit mm-hmm. in the future. Right. So you mentioned onboarding. And so what would be their process? I know from onboarding too, when we're talking about when they're hiring, of course, there's make sure you have the I-9 completed and the W-4 and things like that. Obviously, basic paperwork. When you're talking onboarding and risk management, what do you mean? Mm -hmm. First of all, a lot of small employers and mid-sized employers, they don't have uh, HR or human resource person in their operation. Mm-hmm. So it's good to have either a legal consultant, uh, such as an attorney, or an independent human resource consultant that has experience in your industry. Mm-hmm. So consulting with them as far as the paperwork and some of the compliance and what's legal and not legal, you, you know, what's not legal to ask that employee upon interviewing and, and putting them to work. From a risk management standpoint, 
I would say, you know, are you talking to a local clinic? Are you making sure that person is fit for duty, fit for the job? Mm -hmm. You know, overall, not only physically, but do they have experience actually, you know, operating that machine or doing that specific job? And a lot of, I find a lot of times people spend <clears throat> just writing out, well, here's, here's a two-sentence description of a job description, which what they actually should have is a very, very specific A to Z, every aspect of that job that they can, you know, give to a doctor or discuss with their human resource uh, manager or, or attorney or consultant. Mm -hmm. and, and, and there's a process of doing that and getting really good people because at the end of the day, not every employer I know that I've talked to, they're really, they really want an employee to stay there a long time. They hate a lot of turnover. And right. this is just one way to, you know. Mm -hmm. And I would think part of that onboarding would be going through a training program or something, especially like Absolutely. if it's a warehouse or something, right? Here's mm -hmm. the right way to do certain yes. things. So I would think you would have a recommendation mm -hmm. for if they don't have a training process, mm -hmm. probably setting something up. Absolutely. And that comes down, you know, uh, uh, certain size businesses don't have to have an injury and illness prevention program, okay? That's your safety process for that specific machine, including, I'm going to give you one example out of that, lockout and tagout. You know, how to, how to take all the energy out of that machine, how to shut everything down so somebody doesn't get hurt when you're actually cleaning the, that machine. Mm -hmm. I experience that a lot in the manufacturing industry and, and industrial related in, you know, um, uh, injuries. When I look at workers' comp injuries or when I look at em overall employee injuries, you know, the trip and falls and et cetera. Mm -hmm. And probably, I mean, I don't work a whole lot with people in the manufacturing industry, but I know I've heard stories or I know people who have lost, you know, fingers or different things too because they had jewelry on or they had mm -hmm. sleeves or different things. So I would recommend, obviously, having maybe a policy where the employees know specifically what they should or shouldn't wear and things like that too, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And, and that comes from, you know, management and having a process. Many times I see managers, you know, you're in it to make a profit. The owner is on top of you saying, put the guy to work, give him a quick train, you know, 20 minute training session and cut him loose. I find a lot of these situations result in a pretty severe injury mm. and not only does it impact your overall culture it impacts everybody including your profits because now your workers comp goes up and everything mm -hmm. but not to go down that road please I you know I really encourage everybody positive positively to really take the process and time to write down a procedure and actually buddy up with somebody to train them on that machine or whatever they're going to be doing mm -hmm. so they don't get hurt and you lose money. Well, and I would think maybe going through that process step by step to make sure everything has actually been included in that training process Absolutely. too so you haven't missed a step. Uh, because sometimes I know if we think we have it all in our head, right, and we're just mm -hmm. going to write it down and then you hand it to the person, you might miss something. So I would think maybe going through with them. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. You know, just like, uh, you know, in other parts of the world, like, you know, England and everything, you know, like a mechanic, they're not allowed to touch a car until they've worked under somebody four, five, six, seven years. Mm. I'm not saying it has to be that long, but I do recommend a manager, an assistant manager, somebody that's comfortable with, let's say, in, in the manufacturing world with that machine, 
looking at them, having that dialogue in the beginning and middle and end of the day and saying, hey, are you comfortable operating this? Are there any questions, any fears, anything, you, you know, A to Z of, of how to operate that machinery. And right when that assistant manager, manager, whoever it is, training that individual, and they find that that new employee is, is comfortable on that machine, machine and also confident and they've had that ongoing dialogue, mm-hmm. they could determine when is the right time to cut that person loose hmm. alone, unsupervised. So this is probably the last question we'll have before we have to go to break, but I was just thinking, are there any specific rules regarding how much training someone needs to have in a position such as that? Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, so there's an injury and illness uh, prevention program. So they have, you know, if you're over a certain amount of employees, you have to have that training program. It's safety and procedures for every machine, down to like your ladder, believe mm-hmm. it or not. Mm-hmm. How to open up the ladder and not, you know, fall you, you know, fall off, how to use the buddy system and so on. And those are extremely important. Fabulous. Well, I think it's just about time for us to take a break. All right. So when we come back, we're going to continue to chat with Gino about risk management. You're listening to Biz Help for You with Candy Messer on Voice America Internet Radio. We'll be right back after this brief commercial break. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Are you up late at night after a long day's work trying to do your bookkeeping? Are you frustrated with your lack of QuickBooks knowledge or feel you don't understand it at all? Do payroll tax calculations and reporting stress you out? Whether you're a sole proprietor or an officer of a corporation, Affordable Bookkeeping and Payroll Services is here to help. We work with overwhelmed entrepreneurs to remove the burden of bookkeeping and payroll tasks, giving them peace of mind and the freedom to do the parts of the business they love. Our bookkeeping clients include service-based businesses, such as medical offices, fast food restaurants, landscapers, and gyms. We also assist franchise owners to create the necessary reports to submit each month. We are a full-service payroll company, assisting clients of 1 to 120 employees. We offer full and self-service options. If you're ready to offload tasks that burden you, reach out to us today at 310-534-5577 or email contact at abandp.com. Call us today. Have peace of mind tonight. Today we live in a truly global environment. Business can more easily be conducted now in almost any part of the world. How do you, as a business owner or professional, navigate the ever-changing business landscape? Tune in to Leadership Beyond Borders with host Kimberly J. Lewis. With a worldwide resource of guests, you'll find out what opportunities and challenges surround diverse and virtual organizations. Listen live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite hosts. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time.
You are listening to BizHelp for You. If you have a question or comment about the show, send us an email to media at abnp.com. That's media at abandp.com. Now, back to BizHelp for You. Welcome back to BizHelp for You with Candy Messer. In the last segment, Gino Prieto told us about his background and how he got into assisting entrepreneurs with their managing the rising cost of insurance. So let's discuss this a little bit further. So Gino, let's talk about a risk management process anyway. What would you tell an employer who is going to need to have something in place? What are the steps that they would need to do? Okay. Um, Sure. I I can definitely go into that. Um, First of all, I wanted to touch up on, on one thing. Mm-hmm. The top 10 global risks oh, perfect. in the world. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, This was done by Allianz uh, Global Risk. And number one was cyber incidents. Number two was business interruption. Number three was changes in the legislation or regulation. Natural catastrophes was number four. Five was market development. Six is fire explosion. Uh, climate change was number seven. Loss of reputation or brand value. Nine was new technologies and 10 was macroeconomic developments that affect them. I would say at this point, definitely COVID-19, the coronavirus Mm -hmm. would definitely be in there and would probably be in the study once they complete it at the end of this year. Mm, Interesting. Uh, As far as a risk management process, ask yourself these questions, okay? What can go wrong in my operation? Look at A through Z. You know, could somebody, you know, I don't have a shielding on a machinery. Could somebody potentially stick their fingers in there in case something's stuck? Or is it shielded properly? Mm-hmm. You know, for example, have I taken the time to show somebody how to de-energize that machine? Uh, this basically applies to the workplace or from particular work you do. In the risk analysis, that's number two. How will how will it affect us? You know, consider uh, probability and impact to your operations. Is it high? Is it low? Number three, risk control. What should we do, both to prevent the loss from occurring, or to recover it if the loss occurs? You know, what do you do if a situation? Uh, you know, somebody falls off the ladder. You know, what is what is the process mm-hmm. of that? What what do you do if a machine blows up? Do you have a backup machine, or does it have to be ordered from Germany or somewhere that that is you know far away and that will cease your operation for a couple months? Uh, number four is a risk treatment. If something happens, how you pay for it? Uh, And together with that, I really want people to think about, especially with this COVID-19 and everything, do you have a risk management plan? Okay. Do you have something along the lines of a business continuation or a business disaster plan? Alternative places to actually conduct your business. Uh, Maybe work remotely if you're in some industries. Maybe have some of your competitors that are not in that particular county make that product for you for some kind of you know contractor deal you may arrange with them uh, you know to take up some of the operation that you normally would conduct 
at your place. Uh, in the risk management plan, you also talk about policies and procedures. Um, all of the staff having clear roles and responsibilities of what they should do. Mm-hmm. And that's important not only uh, during this you know, pandemic, uh, but also as we're basically focused on making a profit, continue to making money, um, you know, producing parts, uh, providing services, no matter what industry you're in. Right. So let's say someone has this in place. They have this whole risk management process, but something happens and an employee gets hurt. You know, then what are the yeah. steps they have to take? So first of all, I think um, preventative measures would be everybody has, you know, I hope, you know, a workers' compensation insurance policy. In that workers' uh, compensation insurance policy, you have uh, paperwork in English and Spanish of what you know what to do. Some of that paperwork has to be posted mm-hmm. up on a well-known place in your facility. You know, uh, are the general managers, managers, and especially with you know flus and viruses and seasonal allergies, do you have person number two, person number three that is aware of who to call? what to do, and what the process is when there is an injury, okay? Uh, in California, for example, you cannot, des- you cannot deny a worker's compensation injury. Mm-hmm. You have to call it in, mm-hmm. even though you, you may think one way or the other. There is a process for this. I was involved in a situation, for example, uh, I got a call definitely after hours for this uh, you know, client, called me. Uh, let's just say, in general, they were in, in an industrial injury. I had talked to him a few months back about onboarding, uh, policies and procedures. He was so busy that he said, honestly, we talked afterwards, I forgot. So we're in the middle of this thing. He calls me. He's nervous. Uh, he said, I put a guy on. He's young. He's you know, you know, know, in his mid-20s, late 30s. Uh, uh, something happened to his finger. It got caught in the machine. Uh, the individual kept denying or, or avoiding uh, people telling him to not stick his fingers in the machine to actually clean it. It was kind of a roll-type machine. Uh, the general manager didn't know who to call, what to do, what, whether to call the insurance company or not. I put him at ease. I said, number one, get help. Take the person to a clinic if he's not, you know, bleeding on the ground or anything. Then you have to call emergency services. <laughs> and I gave him a step-by-step process. Um, so he ended up taking the person to the clinic. Um, uh, nurse got on the phone with me, Candy. And the first thing she said, looks to me this is an amputation. I said, you know, is that so? Put the doctor on the phone. I intervened because the general manager of this place was so nervous. I said, look, put him on the phone. Let me talk to him. First thing he said, don't worry. It's not an amputation. Luckily, because in those cases, OSHA's called within four to six hours. Mm-hmm. Mandatory, and they do a survey on your whole premises. Next thing, uh, the doctor called me back within a short period of time. The general manager was so nervous at this point, he could not dialogue with the doctor. He just didn't. There was a lot of uncertainty in the future, whether the guy's going to be okay or not, whether he's going to be sued or not. So I dialogued with with the doctor and um, had him arrange 
believe it or not, an Uber to take him to the specialist. After hours, I'm in contact with both parties. Person hopped on an Uber, got to the specialist, got his, you know, uh, you know, finger sewed up. I took an, an additional measures afterwards. I had the general manager stay in close contact with that claimant and ask him how he's doing. Because, you know, a lot of times uh, employees, even though they're doing a great job, they don't know. Mm-hmm. Or they don't know that everything's going to be okay afterwards. Will they get their same position back? Will Will they never come back? Mm-hmm. You know, and that triggers other things. Right. Um, but I think what you're trying to say then, too, is take care of the medical issue right away. Absolutely. But you still have, within a certain period of time, depending on the injury, you have to report so depending on yes. the severity, Absolutely. so knowing kind of what you have to do and making sure you file. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My, my advice to everybody, be human about this stuff. Mm-hmm. A lot of general managers, owners get upset because their work comp's going to spike up and everything. You really want to prevent something, really have a heart mm-hmm. and care about that employee. Take them food, take them a card, check up on, on them. Mm-hmm. They're hurt. They have to provide for their family, significant others. There's a lot of responsibilities that an employee has. Right. And he wants to make sure he's going to be taken care of. Right. So now that they're, you know, they were hurt and they are wanting to come back, like what would that process look like when they're coming back to work? Okay. During that time, I hope everyone doesn't wait, you know, two or three weeks, four weeks to call their workers' compensation insurance company. Some of the times, if you look in the paperwork, there's a completely different company named. It's mm-hmm. called a third-party administrator, mm-hmm. okay? Uh, I'm not going to name one, but there's a lot of them out there. And the insurance company's contract, so they can actually do uh, the claim settlement analysis and basically pay the bills while the person's off, called indemnity, um, the medical Sometimes there's legal and sometimes there's administrative costs internally with the insurance company. They manage all that. So it's important for you to make that call as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. Make sure the employees, well, you, you know, um, stabilized at a clinic, at a hospital. Make that call, put in a claim, get a claim number and start having that close relationship with the adjuster to make sure everything's getting not only paid, but the employees being taken care of. Mm-hmm. Now, we've been talking about, like, injury in the workplaces, but what about if someone is sick, you know, and you want to prevent, you know, some illnesses or something? What can you or can you not do about sending someone home or, you know, having okay. them separate? What would we do in that case? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I, I recently had another situation where somebody had an apparent injury. You know, unfortunately, a body part was, uh, you know, injured. And they came to work, and the employee is demanding his job. And physically, operating a forklift, moving pallets, you know, going around the warehouse, you could physically tell he could not do that job. Mm -hmm. So there's a period of rethinking what other possibilities. I really encourage employers to seek other alternative positions uh, to prevent you know, possible lawsuits, post-termination work comp uh, situations, but really have a heart to kind of think out of the box in those situations. Mm-hmm. But really, um, there is measures with this uh, 
you know, COVID-19, coronavirus, you know, they've talked about a lot of things, you know, safe distancing, just learning how, you know, the disease spread. I'm not going to go too much into it because there's so much information um, and good information out there uh, that you could read about. But really take those steps. Uh, The government, for example, has a lot of websites, including the CDC, on what you can do on preventative measures when somebody is ill. And, you know, you may may have to make that call Mm -hmm. that, you know what, buddy, or ma'am, you don't look so good. You need to go home. Mm Mm-hmm. And if the employee says, oh, well, I really need to work because I need the money, you know, you can still then say, like, you know, I understand there's sick pay available potentially or some other time off. Or even if not, like, well, the health of you and the other people are important, so we find it necessary, you can go ahead and send them home? Yes. So so somebody that has an infectious disease or somebody that's physically injured, like that warehouse employee, could be literally not having one of his arms that he can actually use, knock off a fork, you know, something off the forklift and put himself and others at risk. So that's what I want the focus to be. Could that individual pose a risk to himself Mm -hmm. and others is the focus and always be thinking about that. So then uh, let's talk about risk management surveys in the business. Can you explain what that really is and why it's important? Mm-hmm. So the risk management um, survey um, starts off with a process, okay? So <clears throat> in this risk, you have to basically start off with an audit, okay? Um, you know, I learned from one of my mentors a long time ago, who you are, what you do, how you do it. And really from there, take a deep dive into finding out how you do business. Mm -hmm. What do you do in the warehouse? How do you operate machinery? Who drives? Do you have a no cell phone policy? And really do an audit of what you're currently doing. And and I'm not going to say make dramatic changes overnight because everything takes time. Right. Take it one step at a time saying, okay, I could roll out this risk management process over, let's say, the next six months or nine months. Start with the most critical things, mm-hmm. okay, and and then go from there. So we're talking a lot about manufacturing, it's on you know yeah. injuries and machinery and stuff too. But of obviously, course. there's potential risk, and even an office space, you know, or a yeah. business like my own too. So maybe Absolutely. we could touch on maybe what are some of those risks that aren't as obvious that maybe people should focus on. Okay. So, um, you know, I'll I'll touch upon this because of what we're dealing with. And and I just made some suggestions of some of the offices that have a remote or an office that is connected to the business, but it's a full, full uh, operational office, which they see uh, clients coming in and out on a regular basis. Put some Kleenex or have a regular duty of cleaning the doorknobs. Mm-hmm. How about those tripping hazards? Okay. Um, risk management. Think about this. Cyber. Has anyone thought about that? I've seen tons of people go out and buy these computers and they're sending their employees home to work on these computers. Do you have an IT professional doing a scrub on that you know, laptop? Uh, are you putting um, encryption and uh, encryption? 
uh, an encrypted process to actually wipe away also all the information if anyone were to get a hold. I'm specifically concerned about people that are in related uh, financial fields mm -hmm. or have sensitive information on that uh, computer. Um, overall in the office, you've heard about social distancing and everything, so I'm not going to go into that. But really being aware and checking in with individuals, mm -hmm. first of all. Hey, how are your clients responding? Well, they're not comfortable in these chairs. Or, you know what? Um, my computer screen is too low. My neck's starting to hurt. So there's a variety of things you could do. And it all starts with an audit that you can do and really being proactive and checking in with the, your employees, checking in with your clients. Um, so probably the last question before we go to break then, but would that be management does the audit? Do they have someone else come in and do the audit for them? What would you suggest? I would say um, it's a really, really cool thing to engage your employees. Mm -hmm. You know why? Because you, you have them feel empowered. So basically taking anonymous suggestions or having them not be fearful. Every employee, a lot of employees I talk to, they're like scared to death. Oh, well, if I suggest that, I'm going to be on the bad list or mm -hmm. whatever. <laughs> so having that open dialogue and saying, I really want to improve our place and I really care. And in turn, when when uh, the employees are comfortable and when management's happy, everything's gelling and and working great. Guess what? Your customers are happy, and you make end up making more money. Mm -hmm. and like I said, even though profit's not always like I mean, it's important. That's not of always course. the number one, but that is a consideration that we have to always think about as well, too. Absolutely. So. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, it looks like it's time to take another quick break. Be sure to hang around to hear more from Gino Prieto on things that can be done to avoid financial challenges. If you have a question, feel free to call in one eight six six four seven two five seven nine zero. Uh, we'll be right back after this brief commercial break. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Are you up late at night after a long day's work trying to do your bookkeeping? Are you frustrated with your lack of QuickBooks knowledge or feel you don't understand it at all? Do payroll tax calculations and reporting stress you out? Whether you're a sole proprietor or an officer of a corporation, Affordable Bookkeeping and Payroll Services is here to help. We work with overwhelmed entrepreneurs to remove the burden of bookkeeping and payroll tasks, giving them peace of mind and the freedom to do the parts of the business they love. Our bookkeeping clients include service-based businesses, such as medical offices, fast food restaurants, landscapers, and gyms. We also assist franchise owners to create the necessary reports to submit each month. We are a full-service payroll company, assisting clients of 1 to 120 employees. We offer full and self-service options. If you're ready to offload tasks that burden you, reach out to us today at 310-534-5577 or email contact at abandp.com. Call us today. Have peace of mind tonight. If you are interested in the business of rental equipment, be sure to check out Rental Equip Talk Radio with host Donald Charbonnet. We talk to some of the top names in the rental industry, as well as cover topics that include safety, training, fleet management, legal issues, and more. We'll also cover the history and future of the rental equipment industry. Rental Equip Talk Radio can be heard live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. 
it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to BizHelp for You. If you have a question or comment about the show, send us an email to media at abnp.com. That's media at abandp.com. Now, back to BizHelp for You. Welcome back to BizHelp for You with Candy Messer. Today I'm chatting with Gino Preto to learn how to manage risk in your business. Are there any questions? You can call in at 866 472 5790. In the meantime, let's find out a bit more information from him on this important topic. So, Gino, we were talking workers' compensation and employee claims a little bit, but yes. can you talk a little bit more about what that claim process looks like? Mm-hmm. On the workers' compensation side is, <clears throat> you know, I went over the IAPP, Injury and Illness Prevention Program. I also went over, you know, the employee handbook. Mm-hmm. A lot of people kind of balk at that or say, you know what, I haven't gotten around to it. But these are your your baselines mm-hmm. or your groundwork. You need to do those things. Mm-hmm. If not, you could find yourself, you know, uh, in a potential. I'm not not an attorney or anything, just a disclosure, but a, a potential EPLI, which is Employment Practices. Uh, liability. Yeah, liability, mm-hmm. insurance claim, or a wage and hour claim, mm-hmm. and I'll explain that, and uh, or a potential, uh, you know, workers' comp claim. Mm-hmm. Right, and that's actually one thing I wanted to go into also. We've been talking a lot about injuries and, and things like that, but obviously one of the risks is a claim for wage and hour issues. So can you touch briefly on what those might be? Yeah. Um, a lot of the times I see a wage and hour uh, claims – um, is it's related directly to unemployment practices, uh, liability insurance. Okay. A lot of times, number one, I find that most businesses do not have that wage and hour rider, mm. only to find out afterwards that they have no coverage. Hmm. What ways that they could prevent things? I would say starting with the dialogue. You know, are people happy? Uh, do you have uh, equal pay for the same type of duties around? The reason why people do this, and I found, find out afterwards from a general manager or manager or an owner, is because people are unhappy. Owner doesn't care. General manager doesn't care. Uh, he's paid me the same wage for a long time. Guess what a big one is? I find a lot of employers only clock their individual uh, employees in at the beginning of the day and at the very end of the day. Hmm. No lunch? like No breaks, mm-hmm. no lunch. And every single time I have this conversation, they say, you know, Gino, I'm trying to run a business. It's a pain in the butt. Uh, you know how much time it takes for them to clock in and out? And unfortunately, people have the right mm-hmm. to actually claim those wages if, if they find out that they've been quote unquote cheat it could have been an honest mistake mm-hmm. cheated upon on on you know the payroll or, or this and that my, my piece of advice just do what you need to do to be compliant with the labor laws and having people take their breaks right having people take their regular lunches at an appropriate time 
uh, dictated by those governmental bodies and just follow it. Mm -hmm. Believe me, and having that close communication with your employees and really caring and really treating them well and paying them fairly. Right. Well, I think one of the things that is potentially an honest mistake, too, is some people think, oh, well, if they're paid a salary, they're exempt from overtime. And that's not really the case. So someone might realize later on, like, oh, I was owed overtime. And if they file a claim, it's not just paid to them. They're going to go back and audit all of the employees. So that yeah. could be a huge risk. In fact, they can um, go back a year, two years, um, if not more. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> there's there's very, very specific language in the law. Again, I'm not an attorney. Mm-hmm. But I, I would say really pay close attention, um, especially with everything becoming more automated really pay close attention of mistakes uh, that could be made either by somebody you just brought on brand new there was not the proper onboarding process and you didn't teach you know let's say uh, you know Jill how to uh, do the payroll properly and all of a sudden six months later you know you need a professional behind this you need somebody that is responsible and focused and is always going to have that open dialogue in how you're processing uh, everything to prevent a potential, uh, you know, wage and hour claim. Right. In the warehouse or office, you know, mm-hmm. you're doing what needs to be done for people to take their breaks, lunches, and paying them for right. the overtime. And make sure you're just up to date on all the new laws that have passed because every year there's something new. Yes. So. so I know we talked about workers' compensation claims, but what's the difference between an OSHA claim and like a workers' compensation claim, what really is an OSHA mm-hmm. claim and what do they do? Mm-hmm. So OSHA <clears throat> is basically, uh, you know, there's Cal OSHA. I'm, I'm in California here. Uh, so they have specific ways to, and, and they provide paperwork, they p- provide checklists, they provide uh, suggestions on basic compliance your business has to have, depending on the size of business and depending on the industry that you're in, mm-hmm. in order to be compliant with the laws so employees don't get injured. Mm-hmm. Um, just for example, uh, any uh, this year they changed the law. There's like a $5,000 penalty for failing to uh, report, you know, an issue within eight hours of learning about an event of, of a serious injury, you know, this year. So um, anything that's like, you know, let's say, you know, a fatality or serious injury or, or serious illness, and it's not reported, that's how the penalties come into play. And they can enforce that. And um, when we talk about workers' comp, mm-hmm. you know, we're in California, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, a lot of lawsuits are rampant. And there's a lot of valid injuries, too, I run into. Mm -hmm. A worker's comp is an injury somebody sustained that gets reported to an insurance company and gets processed and paid for by an insurance company to make that person whole again. Mm, Okay. Yeah. So, obviously, risk management, if you're doing this properly, it's going to save you on premiums. So, how does that impact the premiums? Wow. That's a loaded question. But I would say, overall on premiums, you're in the business, I mentioned earlier, to make a profit. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of owners out there are in the business to save money. Mm-hmm. 
The way you start is by building those base layers I talked about, the compliance, the, the, the policies and procedures, um, the individual ongoing com- communication, okay? How it impacts your overall premiums, let's just say you're in, you know, they did a study on wage and hour claims, all right? The average wage and hour claim are is well in the sixty, if not seventy thousand dollars, and it could range all the way to over a hundred thousand dollars on average. Mm. Okay, there's higher. Mm-hmm. That's for not having somebody take breaks or lunch breaks or not paying them for overtime. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But I have seen these things. You can have a wage and hour claim, for example, that impacts your overall, um, uh, you, you know, discrimination with uh, somebody that's disabled, and you didn't. Uh, accommodate them mm-hmm. appropriately and you didn't have that interactive process mm-hmm. <clears throat> so the way it saves you money is that if you're able to get somebody back to work either the employer is going to pay for it by getting them back to work and paying them their normal wage and finding another way they can employ that person or they have the person sit at home Three, six months, I've seen it so often, Candy. Three, six, nine months later, the person gets frustrated, puts in a post-termination, litigated claim. Uh, maybe it, it ends up being fraudulent and, and exaggerated. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's valid. Who knows? It can have, for example, on the workers' comp, 20, 30, 50. I've seen upwards of 100,000. The highest one I've ever seen was about 300. 50, if not 400% higher than they were paying two years prior mm-hmm. to it. This is in premiums, annual premiums. So the better, the only thing you, there's always costs going up and everything. The only thing you can control in a business is your risk and safety within the business. The better job you do, the less likely you are to have an injury that ends up costing you a lot of money you basically roll the dice and you have a better chance of avoiding those issues and i think isn't there also if you institute certain things that that actually lowers the risk just in general not just saying like oh you've avoided you know someone getting hurt but if they say if you implement a certain policy then that can reduce your premium because you're taking absolutely you know those measures you know, um, people out there, owners out there, managers out there that are listening, you really have to be proud. A lot of people think, well, I'm never going to get a discount for this. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't really impact me financially on premiums. Absolutely, it does. Mm-hmm. Believe me, you start building those base layers, safety, compliance, risk management, um, policies and procedures and everything, and you voice it out to, you know, your broker or, or or a trusted individual that's helping you with the insurance. There's a lot of credits out there to be had, mm-hmm. and please take advantage of those because that, you know, is directly related to your operating costs. Right. So we covered a lot of information today. There's Absolutely. so much more that we really could cover, uh, but we're running out of time. So, do you have some? Thing you, you know, information or something you would want to share with the listeners or an offer you know, that you can give them? Yes. Thank you for asking, Candy. You know, one of the best you know, things about me, I love helping people. And um, I'm 
other-centered, and, and I'm very focused on improving businesses on many factors. I consider myself like kind of a conductor, you know, when I'm orchestrating, you know, HR and safety and work comp risk management, claims management, which, which we have those resources. I would be open for any manufacturer, fabricator in plastic, rubber, uh, steel, or anybody in a related industry such as, you know, uh, logistics or warehousing. I'd love to take a look at your policy. I'll do an audit on it. And uh, especially with the workers' comp claims, that's one of the biggest frustrations if you're in California as well. I could do an audit at, you know, on that as well. I would love to. Perfect. So how would people reach you? Okay. You can uh, reach me at uh, Gino at PMIServices.com. It's Peter Mary Igloo services.com again it's gino at pmiservices.com love to uh have a conversation and see how i can help you out perfect and that's gino g-i-n-o right that's right g-i-n-o Perfect. Well, thank you, Gino, for being a guest on my show today. Thank you so this much. This has been great information. And I want to thank you, the listener, for tuning in to the show today. I hope you found this topic interesting and that it answered some questions about what you can do to help navigate through these risks and uh, saving on those premiums. If you have any additional questions or comments, be sure to reach out to Gino at any of the information that he shared, that phone number or email. Did you give a phone number, actually? <laughs> yeah. You can reach me at... Area code 310-903-2058, 310-903-2058. Perfect. Thanks. So either email him or reach out to him by phone. You can also send us a message at media at abandp.com. And would you please share our show information with those you know? I'd really appreciate your support. Next week's topic is setting up a remote workplace. I hope you can join us for this presentation. And please remember that you can connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And my website is www.abnp.com. Links can be found on my Voice America page. Remember to tune in each Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And if you can't join us for the live show, you can find the episode saved on the business channel on voiceamerica.com or find the podcast posted on iTunes, Tune in Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Until next time, have a great week. Thank you for listening to BizHelp for You. Please join your host, Candy Messer, again next Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a terrific week.